Hey guys, welcome back to another fantastic episode of Best Hour of Their Day. You know me, you know Fern. We like to keep it as unprofessional as possible. And that means on most episodes, we simply hit record, we roll into it, no editing after, throw it up for you guys to listen to. But today's guest really made me feel proud and humbled of everything we've accomplished here on the podcast. In less than 200 episodes, we're getting some of the best of the best out there. And today's episode featuring the absolute legend, Mark Bell. I just felt like there was a need to do a little intro here. If you're a CrossFitter and you haven't heard of Mark Bell, you're living under a rock, go Google him. He's been a world-class powerlifter. He's been a professional wrestler. He's an inventor. He's now at the forefront of the carnivore diet movement. And I was so excited that I had the opportunity to sit down and chat with Mark Bell. So here you go. There's the introduction. If you're listening to Best Hour of Their Day for the very first time because you found us, maybe Mark shared this episode on social media, we encourage you, click subscribe here on the podcast. Leave us a review if you thought I did a good job talking to Mark Bell. Feel free to head over to our Instagram, at Best Hour of Their Day. And of course, our YouTube channel featuring our show dropping in. Any of those things would really just make us feel special and great. And our goal is to continue to give back to this fitness community. So anything you're willing to do, we appreciate it. If you haven't already, please leave us a review. It really helps spread the word. All right. That's enough from me. Here you go. My interview with Mark Smelly Bell. All right, we're here with the legend, Mark Smelly Bell. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to come on the show. I appreciate it. I'm excited to be on Thunder Bros today. So so did you already get your workout in 4 a.m. this morning? Oh, yeah, I worked out twice already today. No, just kidding. Actually, uh, the only thing I did this morning was get in some low-intensity cardio, a.k.a. hitting up those walks. You know, I got in a good about 30-minute walk this morning. You, you post all those videos on YouTube walking, and obviously you have someone filming you, you're, you're talking to a camera, but do you ever get strange looks from people, or do people in that area just know you at this point? You know, uh, so, I, I've been, so I live, I live uh, in Davis, California, or at least that's where I do a lot of my walking is in Davis, California, and I've been out there doing this for a long time, and a lot of times it's me filming myself. Sometimes I have somebody else filming me, um, but I would say I get like stranger looks when I'm filming myself. And I think that people like, I don't know why <laughs> we're in 2020. So people should be used to the phone by now, but people wave, you know, and I'm like, I'm not filming you, you jackass. I'm filming, <laughs> filming myself. You know, you just said it yourself. I'm a legend, right? I'm filming the legend here. I'm trying to, I'm trying to create some damn content. And so like they wave, they think I've got the camera pointed towards them. And I'm like, it's not pointed at you, you jackass. You're not part of the content. You know, we're trying to create something good over here. So it's, it's like it watching kind of the, funny. it's like watching the local news where you get that, you know, jabroni in the background waving, like no one, All no one time. cares. No one cares yeah, yeah, about no, you. Yeah. No, no one cares. It's just always funny though. You know, you I don't know if you've seen the account, you know, people that are watching this, listening to this, they should check it out. It's called Influencers in the Wild. And that is a hilarious Instagram to follow because it, it shows people, you know, taking pictures of themselves, 
doing like ridiculous things and videoing themselves doing ridiculous things. I'm like, that's like me. Like I'm a loser, like that guy <laughs> trying to, you know, create this fun content or, you know, they see the, just uh, check it out. It's, it's, it's pretty funny. Well, obviously I want to talk all about what you're doing right now. Cause it's, it's in, very impressive. But before I do that, you have a Bo Jackson card on your desk. Yeah, man. Bo knows Bo, you know, Bo Jackson, Bo Jackson, Michael Jordan, Mike Tyson. Uh, those were my heroes growing up, man. Those were the people that I got a lot of inspiration from. And, you know, I would, I would go out in my backyard and try to mimic, you know, what, what Bo Jackson did, or I try to mimic what Jordan did. It never worked out very well for me, but, uh, I had a lot of fun, uh, watching those guys when I was a kid. I remember even like on my trapper keeper, I had a, like a Bo Jackson, like thing, like I, that I put inside you know, had like that plastic cover. I put like a Bo Jackson like picture that was in like Sports Illustrated of him with like the baseball bat or whatever and the shoulder pads on. I stuck that in there and it was just like, it was exciting for me to even just look at it. Like I would, I would get inspiration from it. I'm like, I want to be jacked like this guy. I want to be able to, you know, figure out how to like run like him and be strong like him. You're going to have to take a step back and explain to anyone born after 1980 what a trapper keeper is. I know, I know. Yeah. Trapper Keeper is, uh, just had all my papers and folders <laughs> and all that shit all kind of locked into one, my pens and, and all that good stuff in there. But yeah, Bo Jackson, man, like he was, he was different. Like we haven't seen an athlete like him. I would say that I could, I guess I could safe to say you haven't seen an athlete before that was ever like him and you haven't seen anybody since that's really been, you know, Deion Sanders did a little bit of baseball and football and We've had some other people do some other sports and stuff, but there really only is uh, there's only one Bo Jackson. And he was just the cool thing about Bo Jackson is that there was nothing else surrounding him. It was just him being amazing at his sport and sports with Jordan. There was kind of a whole thing going on with Jordan. You know, Jordan was unbelievable at his sport. He was dominant. He always wanted the ball at the end of the game to, to kind of destroy the other team. And, and that was amazing to watch. But Jordan had a lot of like publicity behind him and stuff that, you know, he was with McDonald's and with Nike and Bo had a lot of that stuff too, because obviously he was um, commercially, he was amazing. I mean, he, he increased like Nike stock, like by like a hundred percent or something wild when he was with them. But there was something just about Bo where he just kicked so much ass on the field that he didn't really have to say anything. You know, Jordan was, uh, Jordan was very, intelligent in his uh speeches and stuff and when he talked he was very thoughtful about the things he said he was like a true leader but here's Bo just like just playing just like running a 4140 and just jacking people up with just this kind of raw god-given talent that that no one's ever seen before or since so I always admired that I always thought it was neat well Bo is probably the best multi-sport athlete but let's not overlook you you are a multi-sport athlete you've played I, I have four sports written down about you, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but we have the obvious powerlifting. You, you stepped on the bodybuilding stage, pro wrestling, oh, yeah, and and a touch of CrossFit. Yeah, you know what? Um, that some of that is some of this is true. Um, I would also say, like you know, lost in the shuffle of sometimes these multi-sport athletes are some people that have done. Uh, multiple things, people crossing over from powerlifting to bodybuilding. Um, you know, you can't forget our, about our boy Stan Efforting, professional bodybuilder. 
got his pro card in as a bodybuilder and then came in and just dominated powerlifting. And then in addition to some of the other people like that, you got to also think about like Brock Lesnar, you know, what Brock Lesnar did, you're not going to see anybody do anything like that anytime soon. I mean, he went to the UFC and he had, you know, a couple wins, a couple losses, but he was UFC heavyweight champion for a while multiple time WWE champion, which ain't no joke either. And then he went and he tried to try it out for the Minnesota Vikings and like damn near made the team. I mean, yeah, one spot some, away, I think. Yeah. Yeah. That is some, that is some wild stuff. As for myself, you know, I've always, I've always loved strength sports. Um, I saw Ted RCD do a seven Oh five bench press um, on a WWE WWF at the time. Ted RCD was a professional wrestler and power lifter. And uh, I saw Ted Arcidi do a 705 bench and he made it really look like nothing. I mean, he just smashed, he just absolutely smashed the weight. First guy to ever bench over 700. That inspired me and that just got me fired up. And my brothers were already lifting weights at the time, but I was like, whatever that guy just did, uh, my brothers were both older than me. I was like, whatever that guy just did, I want to be able to figure that out. And I like, why is the guy so damn big? You know, he was, he was so wide. He was as wide as he was uh, tall. And so, uh, whatever he had going on, I wanted to figure out. And fortunately for me, I, I ended up meeting him. Um, you know, I ended up meeting him at a powerlifting meet. One of my, one of my early powerlifting meets, I was probably like 15 and uh, Ted RCD happened to be there. It was super cool. I was able to get a picture with him and he was, he was just coming off of like an elbow surgery. I think that was kind of the beginning of the end for him at that point. But you know, he's a really talented bencher. Now it's crazy to see what some of the people are doing, but it's been fun for me to kind of bounce back and forth between some different things, you know, learning the discipline of the diet for bodybuilding and learning what I would call a full, full court press from bodybuilding, like powerlifting. It eats at you a lot because you're thinking so much about the lifts and you're thinking so much specifically about the numbers and you're kind of like, how do I get, okay, I squatted 700. I think I can do 800 at some point, but 700 was like really hard and it felt really heavy and it built up a lot of pressure in my head and my nose bled when I did it, you know, so how the hell's 800 possible, but I've seen other people do it. So I shouldn't count myself out. Maybe I can figure it out. And then you start to figure out techniques and training and you start to figure out the correct body weight that you need to be at and, and being the correct body weight is kind of everything. Like if you can, if you can, if you can make the sacrifice to not worry about what you look like for a little while, then you can pretty much have anything that you want in powerlifting. And uh, that's what I was able to, to work on for a period of time. Just say, Hey, like, I don't really care about abs. I don't really care about, you know, looking lean. I don't care if my face is puffy. I don't care if I'm red. I don't care if I'm sweating even when it's 35 degrees out, like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to, I'm going to do everything and anything I can because at my height, which is about six feet tall, I, I need to weigh a certain amount. And if I don't weigh a certain amount for myself personally, I'm not going to be able to lift uh, the right amount of weight. And so I just made that, made all the necessary sacrifices towards that. When it comes to bodybuilding though, bodybuilding is 24 seven powerlifting really it, it's only sort of 24 seven. It's like, now you better make sure you sleep pretty good. You better make sure you're pretty hydrated. You better make sure you're pretty fluffy. <laughs> make sure you're a little bit bloated. Make sure you have a lot of salt and a lot of uh, food in your body for your workouts and stuff. 
So you feel powerful, but it's not as like dialed, you know, it's not as, it doesn't matter as much, you know, bodybuilding, you know, one wrong move with your food and you can look really smooth and, 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 ha and really struggle uh, on stage. So bodybuilding to me was a lot harder, maybe for other people, maybe it's not as hard, but when I did bodybuilding, you know, after doing everything I did in powerlifting, and this could be a bias for me with powerlifting because I did it since the time I was young. So maybe at some point, some of it got easier for me, but I would say that I realized that I only did stuff at about 60 or 70% when I did bodybuilding. Cause I was like, wow, if I put the same effort in, I mean, if I put the same effort in, if I'm being honest into powerlifting, I would have quit powerlifting a long time ago because the, the 24 seven full court press that is bodybuilding it's too annoying. It's too much to handle. So I was only able to do that for like eight or nine weeks for one show. And I don't know if I'll ever do another show again. Cause it was, uh, it was that, it was that tough. So yeah, bodybuilding, but bodybuilding gives you, it can, it can help. It can help you to learn that if you can fight for your discipline and, and earn discipline, then you can earn freedom into doing just about anything that you want within reason, within reason of some of your genetic potential and stuff like that. One thing, the other thing about bodybuilding is like you said, eight or nine weeks and you were shredded on stage where eight or nine weeks in the powerlifting world might put 10 pounds on your bench. Yeah, right. Yeah. Powerlifting takes, all, yeah. That, I mean, that is a, a factor with strength is it does take a long time. It's, it's something that I admire about strength sports and building muscle in general is that the whole thing, you know, it, it's a terrible thing to try to sell to somebody like, Hey man, like, uh, you know, follow this diet plan and, uh, you know, train really hard, but, you know, build up a lot of consistency for about three or four years. And then you'll start to see some pretty good results. Maybe <laughs> it's, it's a horrible thing to have to like try to sell somebody on and they got to be the more all in they are, obviously the quicker they can see the results. But if they kind of go with the old school 80, 20, then it's going to take them a while to see results. So let me take one step back. You were born in Poughkeepsie, New York. Yep, yep. I grew up in Poughkeepsie, New York. So oh, no. I, I have a feeling, if we bring it back to wrestling, we were at many of the same shows at the Mid-Hudson Civic Center. Oh, yeah, 100%. Were you, were you at the first Raw there? <clears throat> you know what? My, so my brother, uh, my brother wrestled at the Manhattan Center. Um, that was the very first Raw, right? Yeah, at the first yeah, ever Raw taping. And he wrestled Yokozuna. Uh, he also wrestled uh, Doink the Clown and The Undertaker and a bunch of, and uh, I think Owen Hart. Yeah, he wrestled a bunch of people there. So we got to see like Monday Night Raw. I mean, Monday Night Raw is now shown in like 50 countries. And they ran Monday Night Raw as scheduled the other night with Stone Cold Steve Austin part of it with no crowd, with no audience. So, I mean, wrestling is, has been a huge part of our life. And my dad used to take me to uh, a lot of the a lot of the matches and stuff. I actually remember when I was I don't remember how old I was. I think I was like eight or something. And my brothers, Chris is four years older than me. Mike was six years older than me. And uh, my dad took them to wrestling, and I remember just crying my eyes out because he didn't bring me, but it, they just thought I was too young and I'd be out too late and stuff. And so to like make up for it, my uncle ended up bringing me to Madison Square Garden and I got to see uh, Hulk Hogan against Sergeant Slaughter. And like those kinds of things are things you don't forget. And it's a, it's a, 
what do they call it? Like a, a boot, a boot camp match or a boot something match. I a can't bootstrap remember. match. Bootstrap. bootstrap. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, and uh, they just killed each other, and both of them were bleeding, you know, head to toe. And I think Sergeant Slaughter uh, ended up winning, and he's just like gushing with blood. And the crowd was shocked that he that he won, and it was it was uh, uh, it was just super cool. And it, you know, at that time, some of the stuff was like off air; it, not everything was always recorded for TV, and so they could kind of do whatever they wanted because it wasn't. You know, it wasn't going to be seen by every wrestling fan. It was just going to be seen by the select uh, audience that was there. So they could um, do different things that they normally wouldn't do on TV, you know. But it, it was it was freaking – it was awesome. Yeah, and I've had a lot of great memories of uh, the Civic Center. I remember uh, going to the Mid-Hudson Civic Center and then, like, trying to get an autograph from, like, anybody that you could. And seeing – again, seeing Sergeant Slaughter, he had a, a camouflage uh, – a camouflage limousine that he pulled up in just being like super excited, you know, and seeing macho man and, and all these guys. And like, we got autographs from everybody. They, you know, they were always super nice except for some of the, you know, heels, some of the bad guys. I remember trying to get like an autograph from like Mike Sharp and he's like, I'll be right back. And he never came back <laughs> and we hated him, you know, like, but that's what he wanted. He came out and like you, like, rather than just, you know, being mad that, that uh, someone comes out because they're a heel. Now I'm actually mad because because he's a dick. You know, I'm like, hey, he never gave me an autograph. Fuck him. You know, that kind of Iron thing. Mike Sharp. You know, I don't know if you're gonna uh, have Canada's, somebody. Canada's, uh, I think, like strongest athlete or greatest athlete, maybe greatest athlete, something like that. He's got some sort of weird tag that doesn't make any sense. I remember that. You know, if you Google search Mark Bell, the first thing that comes up is pro wrestler. Oh, nice. So you, I don't know if you want to have that changed or you're going to, you know, be proud of that moniker. But, yeah, it's the first thing that comes up about you. Oh, that's great. That's great. Yeah, no, I'll take it, man. Uh, hey, and, you know, um, you know, I, I have a lot of people that I admire, a lot of people that I, you know, look up to. And, you know, one thing I saw one time I was just I really liked Johnny Cash a lot. And I looked up this like profile on Johnny Cash. You can look it up on iTunes like you can't figure out what the fuck Johnny Cash was, you know, like they, they, when they're trying to explain his, like uh, who he was and what style of music, they couldn't pin it down to anything. And I'd love that for myself. I'd love for people to be like, Oh yeah, he was a wrestler. Some people like, Oh, he was a dad. Some people, he was an inventor. Oh, he was a power lifter. You know, like, I think that's cool to be diverse and not be able to be pinned down to just one thing, you know? Well, I think that's certainly direction you're going, but right now, if people were to look at Mark Bell, they're going to say, hey, he's the carnivore guy. Right. Is that a moniker? Is that something that you want? Is, I don't think when you started it, that was your intention. No, not necessarily. Uh, you know, but I, I, I am a believer in, in the things that I believe in, you know, and I do believe that it can help most of America to uh, abstain from carbs, to have a war on carbs. And I think that there's really fantastic things that go on inside the confines of a ketogenic style diet. Um, not like a medical ketogenic style diet, but just a kind of a regular bro ketogenic diet, which I would consider to be more like a meat-based diet, almost carnivore-esque, except for you could have some keto treats and except for you could have some vegetables here and there. But yeah, what I've been doing, like, I don't, I don't want to like, you know, do something and then um, like, I, I don't want to like not eat vegetables 
just to like prove a point, you know? So for me, like over the last hundred days, I've been posting videos every single day on my YouTube channel about the carnivore diet. I, in November, I started no carbs till Christmas because I kind of recognized that once October hits, that's when people's defenses start to come down. Halloween candy comes out and then it kind of just bleeds over into Thanksgiving and then Thanksgiving kind of bleeds over into Christmas. And then, I mean, I've heard people say ridiculous stuff. Like, you know, they're, they're, they'll say, I'm just going to wait till the new year hits. And it's like October. And you're like, Whoa, like you're going to throw away. Like that's too many weeks, man. Like I understand taking a little break. We all, you know, we all go up and down and wait and to allow yourself a little swing with your body weight is uh, really probably not dangerous uh, in any way. And to, you know, let loose here and there is probably not a big deal, but to give away that many weeks is too much. So I started this kind of no carbs till Christmas thing. A lot of people followed along. And then once January one hit along with Dr. Sean Baker, I was like, all right, Dr. Sean Baker three years ago started this, uh, you know, uh, carnivore diet challenge that he does for the month of January. And I was like, you know, what? I'm going to push that out really hard to a lot of people give Dr. Baker credit for creating it. And um, hopefully people will join in. And it's been, it's been amazing. You know, people have been joining in. There's people that have, there's people that have been not eating any carbs since November with me. Some of them are family members. Some of them are like, yeah, I've been following your Instagram. I've been following your YouTube and I've been doing this uh, right along with me. So if it encourages people, then that's great. Um, but you know, I think ideally for myself, I don't feel like I have any sort of autoimmune disorder. I don't feel like I have, um, I'm not the kind of person that will eat a bagel and be like, oh my God, my knee hurts. You know, like I, I'm not sensitive in that way. Uh, I'm not a pussy in that way, I guess. I, I'm not going to have like a diet soda and then have like some problem with my stomach or whatever. I, I feel like I could eat out of a trash can and be to- totally fine. But anyway, my main thing, my main mission is to just help people, you know, just and and it didn't and it didn't start out that way you know this it's taken me a long time to get to this spot that i'm in now this is kind of like more recent but when people say they want to help people they're actually usually not very sincere about it and i'm not saying hey bro like i'm sincere and and nobody else is what i am saying is that i went through a process where i wanted you to like maybe be like me and for you to maybe uh, be like an echo chamber for me. And if you weren't, then I was pissed, you know? So I would get like a negative comment and it made me feel like I was doing a bad job. And I'm like, how come that guy doesn't understand my point? Now I'm more relaxed about it. And I'm like, and that's kind of like where the war on carbs came from. Like we need to wage war, you know? Um, but now it's a little bit more uh, relaxed to the point where I'm just like, hey, here's the information that I got. I was able to lose a hundred pounds doing this. And if you look at a lot of these other examples, we got a lot of people around us who have made great progress, primarily only eating meat or being on a meat-based diet, meat, eggs, bone broth, salt, and then you could branch out a tiny bit from there. But I found that the more that you branch out, kind of the worse that it gets, and then you start to branch out and your branching out turns into, you know, you having a cheat meal and then your cheat meal turns into a cheat day and it turns into you being kind of off the wagon and you developing some inconsistency and just really not getting being able to get back on track because people are people are being pushed around a lot by their physiology and I think that people don't people are not recognizing that um 
even somebody that makes a weird comment at me, maybe they don't realize it, but maybe they had a shit workout the day before because their knee hurts, you know, or their back hurts or whatever. And then maybe they're now kind of, that's manifesting in that. Like, why do, pe why do people get inconsistent with their workouts? You'll hear sometimes people are like, man, I was killing it for like three weeks, man. And then, I don't know, I just started missing. And it's like, well, you should never really be killing it and you shouldn't be missing. Um, you should just be training and your training should be, uh, you know, your training shouldn't be like spiking up and down like this. Your training should be like kind of even and a little, little bump here and there for like going after, getting after it here or there, being a maniac here and there. But if you do 11 exercises in one day, I got news for you. You know, you're probably not doing something two, three, four, five. It'll pop up two, three, or four, or five days later. And I've noticed the same thing with your eating. You know, after a while, after you do intermittent fasting, you fast Monday through Wednesday for 20 hours. And then Thursday comes along and you're still okay. Friday comes along, you're still okay. You're like, wow, I'm down six pounds. And then Friday night hits or Saturday. And there you are like, man, I cannot get full. I don't know what's wrong. Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, boom. And you're back to the same weight. So it's like what you did was not even really productive. And so I think I'd love for people to kind of like wake up from that and kind of understand that we're very driven by our physiology and we're also driven by our feelings. Your physiology is something that you could really control very easily because you can control how much training you're getting. Three to five exercises, is, is that should be plenty for the day because we want to train all the time. We want to train almost every day. And if you have that mentality towards it, that you're going to you know, put in a good, strong, powerful effort every time that you train, um, but it's going to not, go on, not drag on forever, and you're not going to get stuck at the gym, you're not going to get stuck in these conversations, then you're going to be able to turn it over, you're going to be able to get home, you're going to be able to eat the food that you need, you're going to be able to take your shower when you're supposed to, lay your clothes out for the next day when you're supposed to, be prepared for the next day, and you're going to be able to turn it all over again, and you're not going to be behind, you're not going to be frustrated, and you're not going to be lashing out on, on, at me uh, you know, on, on Instagram. And the, kind of the other part of that to finish that thought process is so your physiology you have control over just by not training like an idiot like you I think that you should leave the gym when you're like fuck yeah I want a lot more that's when you should leave like ask yourself that question do you want to do more you don't have to ask yourself that question after you did like one exercise but ask yourself that question are you still hungry to do a lot more and I think if you are after you did about two or three exercises and you did them well and did them to what you feel is kind of the best that you could do for that day, I think you should leave because then you come back hungry the next day. You're like, I still want this. I want this. And for me, it's, it's never been about, <clears throat> you know, I've, I've had some <clears throat> motivational talks and stuff like that, but I don't even think, I don't even think those really, I mean, I know people get charged up from them, but from the stuff that we're seeing right now, like what if just a lot of the things that you know currently, just if they're wiped out and they're different, you know, you can't get the same motivation. You can't even get to the gym. I can motivate you all you want, all I want and all that you want. But there's not even a gym to go <laughs> release some of that energy at. So now you've got to figure out something new. And I think people need to have the resolve and they need to have it kind of like the gym is not to be too weird, but the gym is like it's inside you. You know, it's in, it's in your heart. It's in your brain. Be creative and, and think about, 
you know, the things that you can control from the mental side of things. People are dragged around too much by their feelings. You know, I'm really big into like philosophy and stuff like that. And I study a lot of this stuff. And I believe it was Plato that said that you're, um, you're, you're dragged around by your feelings uh, as, if, as if you were hooked to a bunch of wild horses. You know, so think about that. When an emotion hits you, that's what's happening. You're being fucking carried around. You're being strapped to a bunch of wild horses and you're being dragged around. And it's not your, your reaction in that moment while you're being dragged around by a bunch of wild horses isn't going to be very good. You're going to be like, oh, fuck, you know, how do I make the stop, you know? And you're going to think of the most drastic thing possible to try to like make that thing stop from, from dragging you around. But if you can, if you can wait a second and you can think about it and say, Hmm, I wonder why that person's acting like that. You know, I, and you can even just, you know, the way I do it a lot of times, I just, at this point, I just kind of pity people. I'm like, man, I wish that dude had better parents. Like that would, that would be awesome if that guy had better leaders in his life. Like, wow, wouldn't that be super cool if that guy had tools to calm the fuck down? <laughs> you know, those are the ways that I try to deal with stuff now and, and think of things now. But I think if we get more people kind of thinking that way, um, that we can have more people that are charged up, excited uh, for each and every day, and we can have more problem solvers in our society. And I think that would be really useful. So what you're suggesting is the carnivore diet will change the world. But, yes, in, sir. In, in a, you know, I was thinking about it. You've been doing this for, what, 70, almost 80 days now. And there's a bandwagon behind you. I'm one of them, big proponent of it. But have you thought about what it's going to really take to hit that tipping point? Because it's clearly this shit works. It's healthy. Like, it, we all saw Joe Rogan talking about it. I cleared up his vitiligo. You know, his, you saw the bubble gut to shredded six pack. Like we saw all of that stuff. I do want to ask you, how did you find out about Rogan doing it? Uh, well, Rogan uh, did it because me and my brother did it. So, well, I know that's he was certainly inspired yeah. by you, but did he give you a heads up, or did you find out like the rest of the world just when he talked about it on the podcast? Um, I think this, so he's tried it before. Um, and I think this go of it. Yeah. I, I was, yeah, I was kind of like, Oh shit. Like he said my name, like that's sick. You know, he, he's mentioned us before we've been on the show before. So, uh, all that's super cool. And yeah, I mean, he's just, I admire what the guy's doing. I mean, he's, he's changing the world. You know, he really is with the guests that he's having on there. He's, he's having like physicists on there. He's having like Jordan Peterson on there. And then he's having like, you know, old school rappers on there. He's got this like wide variety. He's got people teaching about the virus that's going around and he's got a lot of really cool stuff. But yeah, this time around, I was actually just like walking down the street and I saw it pop up and I was like, oh shit. Like he, he took his shirt off. He looks great. And uh, I was happened to be there with my cameraman. So I was like, let's, let's shoot a video right here. And I just popped my shirt off right there and just, you know, people walking by thinking, thinking I'm weird or whatever. But I just, was like, hey, let's do the Joe Rogan check. Like, this is a way to check to see if the diet works. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm a pretty big believer in that. Like, you know, I want to see, like, you know, what, what results you got? You know, what do you look like? What can you perform? What can you do? And when people can't do much or they don't look like much, it, to me, it, it shouldn't discredit them because knowledge can kind of come from just about anywhere. Knowledge can come from people's observations and people's criticisms. And I'm very, I'm, usually open to that but when it comes to like training 
You know, if somebody's saying, hey, man, this is the way you got to squat, and they squat 225, and their knees cave in, I'm like, I don't think so, bro. Like, that doesn't look, that doesn't look great. You know, it doesn't look right. When you have a guy like Joe Rogan, who's in his 50s, who tries a diet, I mean, Joe has had that kind of freckling on the back of his knuckles for a long time. And I noticed that when he did the UFC, like just a few weeks after doing the, uh, the diet, I don't know if it looked like it was all the way gone, but it looked like it was healed up quite a bit. And I was like, holy shit, like that's huge. And then obviously uh, his physique, he's always been in good shape though, too. So, you know, you never want this stuff to be too like misleading. I've been in pretty good shape for a long time too. So that's why you don't really see me doing a lot of like before and afters in terms of really in terms of a lot of any of my diets, I really haven't done too much of that. I will show you what I looked like when I power lifted and I will show you what I looked like 10 years later. But to me, it's not like, you know, it's not like this. It's still a physique transformation, um, but it's a byproduct more so. What I would love to communicate to people better is that's a byproduct of a lifestyle change uh, and not so much just like, you know, sitting in this diet. And then plus, when I was 330, I wasn't 330 and just fat. I had a lot of muscle. I had a way more muscle on me than I do now, you know. So I was still uh, jacked, and that's how I was able to make that conversion, that change. Well, we saw a huge change, especially in those first 30 days. And then I wouldn't say it's tapered, but you got about as lean as you can get right now. It, have you seen, as far as physique goes, you've just kind of maintained that for the last 40 days or so? Yeah, so really what I'm, what I'm trying to do, I'm trying to do this in the most reasonable fashion possible. So um, I'll give you an example. So for a while... So maybe during those first 30 days when it, when it was like the challenge, right? To me, the challenge was like, all right, we're throwing down the gauntlet and there's no exceptions. There's no alcohol. There's no nothing. You know, there's, there's no vegetables or, you know, being super strict. The only thing I had was a little bit of seasoning. And then even for a little while, I didn't even have any cheese, no yogurt, no protein powder, no nothing, right? So as I went through it and I went with no coffee for a little bit and, and I really abstained from a lot of things as I moved through the diet more I was like you know what dude like you do a lot of stuff pretty good right you do a lot of stuff really well why not just what are the things that you like let's bring those things back in and let's see what a difference they make with the physique and then let's see if the training can be done with enough knowledge uh, and the acquisition of muscle mass can be done with enough knowledge to where you can still maybe maybe super slowly, but surely, you know, get in better shape and get a little bit leaner. And so that's what I'm working towards now is, is how, do I, how do I personally do this? And then how do I share this out with other people? Like, you know, you know PEDs are a big part of it, right? So people are, you know, they, they get all crazy about the PEDs and stuff. They get crazy about, you know, anabolics and steroids and stuff like that. But they, those things haven't changed for me. You know, I, I've been on them since I was 25. I took, you know, a lot when I did the bodybuilding show. I took a lot when I did powerlifting. And then currently at this stage in my life, my testosterone levels, every time I get my blood work done, are still within like a natural range. That doesn't mean that, that doesn't mean I'm not getting a nice bump from the testosterone I'm taking. It's, it's helping immensely. So I, I want to make sure that that's clear as well. Would you say you're about um, a thousand? Yeah, I, yeah, I've been, so for a little while, I was at like 500, which is pretty low. 
um, even with some testosterone replacement, I just wasn't probably taking enough. Then I got it to around 700. My doctor was like, hey, let's see if we can get it to more like 1,000 to 1,200. And this last time around, it was at 1,500. He's like, all right, you're, you know, you're good. You can uh, you know, maybe back off a little bit, right? So trying to stay between 1,000 and 1,200, but like just you know, like people like Dr. Lane Norton and some other people have told me they've gotten their blood work done before, and his has been at like 1,200. You know, and he's been a natural athlete. He's been tested a bunch of times. And I, I just, I, I believe people when they, when they tell me, I don't think they have any reason to, to hide it or whatever. But, you know, I think, you know, for myself, uh, that, that has been stagnant. That has kind of been about the same. And I'm trying to keep those levels, I'm trying to keep those levels similar so that that's not the big change. That's not the big changer. That's not the big driver. And then also, but I'm trying to live my life on this other side where, you know, does the wifey want to go out and just like have me not fucking thinking about it, right? Have me not worried about it. Have me just, you know, have a glass of wine. And I know it makes, it makes her happy. Like it, it, it increases our, it increases our enjoyment. And so that's some of the stuff I'm trying to figure out. Like, um, It's you know, more likely to- you'll have sex that night is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I had some. I had some this morning. Can I get a hey now? Things should be celebrated, you know. It should be, especially at forty-three, right? Um, you know, I, I, I just, I'm trying to think about, you know, does this really enhance anything? So, like, in terms of uh, going to the movie theater, does eating popcorn really enhance the experience for you at the movie theater? If it does, that's okay. You know, if if eating something. Um, that's not necessarily normally on your diet. If eating something that's not necessarily normally on your diet enhances the experience of something, I just think all you do is account for it. And you say, okay, noted. You know, how many times are you going to go to the movie theater in the month? Once, twice, probably when there's good movies out, you probably go twice. And probably when there's nothing out, you probably don't go at all, right? So can you enjoy something at the movie theater and still get in good shape? I think you should be able to without any problem. Um, these challenges and stuff are great because it's like, hey, man, I'm going to really hone in. But when the challenges are over, what are you going to do? You know, and that's I'm trying to teach people like, let's live this life. Um, you know, let's live this life under a general like code, under a general like, you know, honoring yourself each and every day the best that you possibly can. But let's not make it so fucking hard that you rebound away from it so much. Like, oh, yeah, man, I did the no carb thing and now I'm back up 50 pounds, you know, let's let's really make sure that we're not if you're going to go off of a, you know, a no carb diet, then maybe you switch into a lower carb diet, maybe you switch into the vertical diet, but there's never going to be a situation where you go from your diet to just doing nothing like to, to not having any rules you will always need some sort of rules or a rule. Let's just say that you're going to travel. You know, just play it out in your head. You already know where you're going to be when you're traveling. You're going to be on a flight. You're going to be at a hotel. You're going to be in these different things. Think about it ahead of time. There's probably a snack bar, you know, if you, in your, uh, in your hotel room. You can call ahead and say, I don't want any of that shit in there. I just want water. You know, you can, you can plan all this stuff ahead, or you can just even think about like, what am I going to eat? You know, am I going to bring stuff with me or am I going to, you know, hope that when I go through the terminal that they'll have, you know, uh, hard boiled eggs and cheese, which they normally do. 
you can buy like epic bars that are you know beef based and things like that and so you can find stuff but i just think you know thinking and planning ahead and um and i would just say don't don't ever really go without any rules even if you're going to eat whatever even if you're going to eat kind of whatever you want how much of that are you going to eat and, and what's the is there a time frame you know oh, i'm going to eat some cheesecake tonight well how much cheesecake you're going to eat like if you want to eat a whole pie you can do it but i would still say like just you don't have to weigh it and shit like that, but just, just realize it. Like, just don't be an idiot about it. Like, okay, I'm going to eat this fucking cheesecake. And, uh, you know, tomorrow's going to be great in the gym. Cause I'm going to have a little extra zip. I'm going to have to take a, a, a bunch of craps before I go to the gym, but maybe I'll have a little, maybe I'll be a little bit more robust. Maybe I'll be a little stronger in my workout and, uh, I'll be able to spend an extra 20 minutes in there getting after it. Stuff like that. It's like Jocko says, discipline equals freedom. Right? 100%. So it, it, you, you recently were at CrossFit HQ and you had really nice things to say about HQ. I'm a CrossFit employee, longtime CrossFitter. What's well, it going to be careful about what you say then, sir? <laughs> I, yes. I'm, I'm always aware. And I know Dave was just on your show, but <laughs> what's it going to take to get you fully training with the CrossFit methodology? I like CrossFit stuff a lot, man. I really do. Um, the main thing for me on anything for me to try anything is just knowledge, you know, a greater understanding. Um, I do want to, so I started like running a little bit more recently. I started mixing in some, I've been walking and then like just doing some running in between that. And I found that I don't really like to, I don't necessarily like to jog, but I like to actually run. But what's happening is I'm, I'm just not, I'm not used to that. And so my hamstrings were kind of locking up. They were getting insanely tight. Plus with all the squats I've been doing, it just hasn't been going well. And I, I wasn't really making progress. So I was like, well, you know, I'm probably just doing something wrong. You know, I noticed like it was, you know, the breathing was hard. I don't mind doing hard work. I don't mind breathing hard, but for most of the stuff that I, most of the people I know, most people I communicate with, they're talking a lot about how your conditioning work should have room just like your strength training has room like you should leave a rep in the tank we hear some of these things but i don't really understand or know these things because i haven't been doing like much endurance training before so i don't really have a good understanding of how it should feel how it should be now i'm starting to learn like hey you can just have, you know check your heart rate and have your heart rate between 135 and 145 that can really help build a good base and that's uh for most people that's uh a pretty good like fat burning zone, a targeted fat burning zone. And it's not hard. It's not that hard to do that kind of work. For me, it's just like putting a treadmill up at like 12 and walking at like three, you know, things like that. It's not that uh, strenuous. But the other side of it is if that you go on the treadmill and put it at three and have it at 12, that's what you get good at. So I don't want to just be good at like just the treadmill. I, I, I want to try to be more well-rounded. So to answer your question, like I'm heading in that direction of doing more CrossFit like stuff. The issue for me is like, I don't like, I like Metcons and I like the triplets and some of these different things that they implement in their workouts. I just don't always know what they all are. And then like some of them, when I go to do them, they like kill me because I'm just not, um, I'm a big believer that you should be prepared for whatever training that you're about to go into. 
and I'm not prepared for some of it because I haven't really done any of it before. So like, for example, like a walking, uh, a walking overhead lunge. Like I just, I don't have any business doing that at the moment because the shoulder mobility is such crap that it will just annihilate me. And I do understand like, fuck it, dude, you can get better at it just by going at it hard. And I've done that a million times. I got the fuck your elbow video. I've done a lot of that with powerlifting, but I'm trying to do things a little bit smarter. So I, I've, you know, stepped back from running for a minute and I got hooked up to a bunch of machines yesterday where they were testing my VO2 max and they were doing a lot of stuff and they're testing like what I'm burning and when. And so I'm trying to dive a little deeper. I, I'm not saying that you need all that to be able to get in good shape. But for me, I like to, per I like to know more about like what I'm getting into and then I can kind of go from there. But I love, you know, it's as crazy as it sounds. I love doing like burpees and shit like that. I love working hard. I love breathing hard. Um, I love doing a circuit where you're like, fuck man, like <laughs> if we do another round or two of this, like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to take another breath. Like I, I, I kind of enjoy that in some weird way, but I just want to make sure that I have a capacity that's built beforehand so I can get better at it. Well, I think one thing you said in the video that I really appreciated is just the impact coach Glassman and CrossFit has had on the fitness industry. I think that's the most, that's all I look for with people, like whether or not you do CrossFit, just respecting kind of, Hey, I have three slingshots. I probably wouldn't have one if I didn't find CrossFit back in 2006. And almost any box you go to these days has one somewhere you know, might be buried under the chalk bucket, but they have a slingshot. Has that, impact, oh, yeah. has that impacted you guys? Have you noticed that over the years? Oh, yeah. I think Greg Glassman has, you know, injected billions of dollars into the fitness industry one way or the other, you know. Um, even, like, how many people used to CrossFit that are still into fitness, that are still training, you know. And then how many CrossFitters are there currently? I mean, that's a lot of people exercising, right? Um, I think he's done, I think he's done an amazing job and, you know, usually this is the truth of most things. Um, I've heard a lot of weird things about coach Glassman and I found all of them to be completely dissolved and to be completely untrue in meeting him just one time, you know, um, I'm not sure of his practices with, you know, with employees. I don't, I don't know. I'm sure as any other owner, he's probably learned as he went. Like you, you know, you learn as you go, you know, I'm learning as I go. I make mistakes all the time. You know, you get mad at somebody and, and then you're like, well, that doesn't make any sense. I shouldn't really actually get mad at them. I should explain uh, that this procedure went wrong. I should take my feelings and emotions out of this. And I should just say, Hey, next time, let's make sure it's more, it'd be great if it'd be more this way. And then in the future, you can kind of insert your own creativity just as long as it's kind of heading in that direction. You know, I'm sure he's made mistakes as we all do along the way, but you know, the guy invited me over to his house. I had a great time. I ate unlimited amounts of steak and uh, he was like, you know, going around telling people like, Hey, this guy squatted over a thousand pounds. He was all excited. And the guy's just excited and fired up about training. And um, I remember talking to him one time uh, at the CrossFit games. And was, we were in this like Reebok, suite which was super cool was super great to like be part of Reebok and to help bring powerlifting shoes to the market and stuff that whole thing was really wild but we're sitting in there and I start talking to him and I ended up talking to him for probably about 20 minutes and like all the other people at Reebok were like we 
what you talk to him about, dude? Because <laughs> they were like, we never, we never seen anybody talk to him for that long. I was like, oh, that's cool. I was like, I was just basically talking to him about training, but I thanked him. You know, he's helped a lot of my friends. I've had a lot of, a lot of friends that weren't bodybuilders. They weren't powerlifters. They were somewhere in between. They just liked training. And then they found CrossFit. They fell in love with it. Some of them opened up boxes. Some of them have been um, programming for people and, and things of that nature. And they've been able to make money, not only make money, but provide for their family. And I just thanked them for that. I was like, this is awesome, man. I had friends that were like trying to sell insurance. They were like miserable. They were, you know, trying to sell cars and shit. And they just, they hated it. They found CrossFit. They opened up a box. They started to not really make like a crazy amount, but they made enough to provide for their family, enough to provide a nice life for themselves. And, and, uh, and they're able to do it through fitness and they just absolutely love it. And he was like, he, then he was like whipping out all these stats. He's like, yeah, this, you know, this box makes this much and that box makes that much. And he's like, people think it's, you know, slowing down, but it's still growing because it's growing in other countries and stuff like that. So yeah, I, I have, I've not got nothing but respect for the guy. I don't, I don't understand how in the fuck he did it. You know, to be honest, I don't, it doesn't make any sense to me. Just, he just killed people. He just trained them hard enough to where they would like want to throw up. And then those people were dumb enough to be pumped about it and tell other people like, Hey man, you got to try this workout. And uh, other people were like, nah, I could do that without throwing up. And sure enough, they couldn't. And the thing just kept growing and growing and growing from there. Just like the carnivore diet in, yeah. in meathead millionaire, you said you squat till you shit. How many times have you actually shit while squatting? Yeah, you know, that happens. Uh, really, I only shit one time. Yeah, I only, I only uh, shat one time. I think yeah. shat is, yeah, correct. Shatted. <laughs> <laughs> I only shat one time uh, during a squat, and it was like during like a warm-up. And I remember I was doing like, um, I got some training, you know, back in the day from like an old Charles Poliquin workout. And uh I did like this, I was doing this uh, like wave uh, sets or whatever, like sets of one, sets of six, sets of one, sets of six. And the idea behind it is that it gets your central nervous system charged up by, by doing the heavier rep. And then you can get a PR uh, set of six out of doing like, even if you just get to like anything over like 92% of your max or something around that range, then you, it's an old article that was written in, um, uh, on T nation. And, uh, so I start like warming up for this and like my first like heavy single, I'm like, Oh, I think I, you know, I think I like let out a little fart and I was like, you know, rack, 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 you know, I made the lift, you know, I, that's always the most important thing. I racked the weight and then I start like walking towards the bathroom. I'm like, Oh no, that was, that was like, okay. I was like, that's, this is going to be, this is going to be bad, you know? And I go into the bathroom and I just, I just, my whole like back, like not just my butt, but like all the way up my back, like it's just everywhere. And, uh, it looked like peanut butter, you know, it looked like, it looked like chunky peanut butter. Like it just is, was. Is that what you ate the, the day before? Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> I got sabotaged. I, I really did. I got sabotaged. Um, this is a long ass time ago the plot gets a little bit better and now now here's where everyone's like okay now we know he's making up the story there was a wrestling pay-per-view the night before and this is before john cena's john cena john cena comes over 
our apartment that Andy and I lived at, my now wife. I don't know if we were married at the time, but he, Cena comes over and he brings over Oreo cheesecake. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. Yeah, he brings over two of them. He's like, I brought one for you and one for me. I was like, all right, this is amazing. And then also because like John just, it's funny now because John knows about like fancy shit. He brings over Boone's Farm, which is just, you know, a type of <laughs> the wine. It's like cheapest wine out there. Yeah. That. He yeah. knows Andy likes wine. So he tries a schmoozer with this giant bottle of Boone's Farm. And she's like, oh my God, this stuff's terrible. Anyway, uh, you know, we enjoyed ourselves. We, we uh, ate up the cheesecake. I think John was smart. I think he stopped about halfway through. I just plowed through the whole thing and then ended up paying the price the next day, hitting up those squats. So I, what I did though, which any meathead would do, I was like, okay, man, these things are toast. I really don't know what to do with them. I like frantically searched in the bathroom for like a garbage bag. Cause I'm like, I can't really, you know, I can't like just, I can't like throw them out really. Cause it's going to be gross. Like it's, you know, it's going to stink. So I, I did find a garbage bag. I wrapped them up in the garbage bag. I threw them away. I cleaned myself up the best I possibly could. And that didn't work so good. So I'm like, I'm like, I need to just, they had a shower there. So I, I took a shower, put all my stuff back on, did the rest of the workout with no, with no problem and just had to do my squats free balling it. But that's kind of what happened on that day, doing those uh, one, six, one back and forth uh supersets did you pr the did you pr the six i did i did yep that actually works really well i've used i've used that kind of training since then and and uh didn't shit myself well i appreciate your time on here that's a great way to wrap up this show the one thing i want to do is just give you the floor take your time let the world know why they should do the carnivore diet and anything else you have going on in your life yeah, so uh, first things first is we got this corona stuff passing around, you know, and uh, what I want everybody to think about is uh, today is, uh, what the hell is today? January 18th, right? Or I'm sorry, March. no, uh, March 18th. Yeah, I don't even know what month we're in, see about how that goes. So I want everybody to skip forward to like May, okay? So we're not out of this thing until probably at least May, right? Probably like mid-May or just maybe even just say April. Okay. So I want everybody to picture what the, what their, what their life is going to look like from now until April one, you know, not April one, not everything's going to all of a sudden turn around, but you know, it's my understanding that it took about 10 weeks for China to get a hold of this thing. And China is a communist country. They got different rules there and they got different ways of handling things. So I think that they were probably able to employ things faster and more diligently than what we can do here in the u.s so i just want everybody to like play it out in their head like how you how do you make money um th these are a good exercise to go through because you can think about hopefully this doesn't last too long but it's possible that it lasts way longer than what i'm talking about like that that get us off the hook like actually pretty easy you know and i don't think there'd be that negative of an impact from what's going on but i think the major impact that we're going to see is there's probably going to be an economic fallout from all this. And so some people are like, Oh, if we keep heading this way, then like nothing will matter. Money won't matter. Like for money not to matter. <laughs> uh, then we're in some really desperate times and you better have a gun and you better be 
you know, you better be ready for shit to really, really go down. We're not there yet. Like that, that would take years, I, I think. But uh, anyway, I, I think that people should play out the worst case scenarios. You should think that you have it. Like just act as if you have it already. Don't hang around your parents. Encourage your parents to stay home. Encourage your grandparents. I mean, what if it killed them? You know, what if they got, what if, what if they got it? And what if, you know, a month or two from now, they're laid up in the hospital. Like that is an awful scenario, but you may as well play it through in your head now so that you're prepared for it. So you're ready for it. And maybe you could potentially even avoid it by thinking about it already. And I also want you to think about how do you make your money? You know, if you're currently making your money because you have a restaurant, you might want to consider in the future trying to work towards a backup plan. Maybe that's all you can do is reopen your restaurant within the next couple months, but I'm talking about the next couple of years, you know, that invention, that product, that thing that you're going to sell on Amazon, that, that thing that you've been thinking about for a long time. Now's the time that book that you're going to write that podcast. You're going to, now's the fucking time, you know, cause you can podcast all day. Cause you know, that's, we can just, we can do this very safely. Right. Um, I really just, I want people to really wrap their brain. I don't want people to like necessarily panic. Panic doesn't really, solve problems. So it, it's never helped anybody with anything really. But I do think that you should play out some worst case scenarios and really think about, you know, what can you do? You know, what can you do? What do you have control over at the moment? How can you protect yourself? How can you protect your family? And how can you have maybe a kind of bulletproof business to where it doesn't really matter what's going on in the world, you can still make money and things aren't always about just making money. And they're probably like, oh, great, this rich guy is explaining to me like that the most important thing is money, but money is important. And if you don't have any of it, there's going to be some real crazy problems happening uh, in the future. Uh, so in terms of the carnivore diet, the carnivore diet is something that you can control. You know, we have things that we can control in our day to day that can help make us feel better. And so you could potentially try to jump on the carnivore diet. You could get in some exercise every day, but some reasons on why you, I think that you should try the carnivore diet. Um, number one is I think it's the fastest and easiest, uh, least complicated diet. You know, what is the carnivore diet? You know, to sum it up, it is a meat-based diet. You're trying to eat ruminant animals, basically cows. There's other ruminant animals, but you can just Google it and look it up but cows are gonna be the most nutrient dense that you can get. You can also look into eating some organ meat if you wanna eat stuff that tastes really disgusting. But uh, the ruminant animals, um, because of just the way they're designed, because of the chambers of their stomach and stuff, they break down plants for us and they provide nutrients to us that are more readily available. So if you were to eat uh, kale or you eat spinach, you might get like, 0.025% of that from, from a certain amount of spinach. But if you were to try to get similar nutrients from beef, uh, you would probably get 2.25%. So you would get a much larger percentage, much more bang for your buck in terms of nutrient density, in terms of not just micronutrients, which is what people kind of have been talking about more recently, but you get a nice surplus of macronutrients. And we're starting to see the importance of meat because when you go to the store right now, all the Beyond Burgers, you can get as many of those as you want. Not a lot of people are really seeking those out uh, in these kind of uh, desperate times. But yeah, the carnivore diet, in my opinion, is the simplest explained diet. 
you know, you basically uh, eat meat based stuff or um, you eat uh, things that, you know, if, if it doesn't come from a cow, you kind of just don't eat it, you know. And then, you know, you start to branch out from there and you got like dairy and stuff and you start to get some, uh, you get some grayness in terms of the rules of the carnivore diet because the point of a carnivore diet or the point of removing carbohydrates from a diet is that you don't have uh, things that are multipliers of your appetite. So a multiplier of your appetite would be the mixture of carbohydrates and protein or the mixture of carbohydrates and fat or the mixture of carbohydrates, protein, and fat. Those are all multipliers. Those are all things that once we start to really mix a lot of ingredients together, it makes something more delicious. It makes it a lot easier to eat more of it. Um, and so if your goal is to gain weight, then you may want to keep dairy in the mix. You may want to have some milk in there and some heavy cream and, and things like that. They can definitely assist you uh, in terms of gaining weight. But just kind of finish off on that last point, you know, the, the taste of stuff is a big driver for us to overeat. And I did a little experiment last night. So last night I only had one meal. And when I had my one meal, it was, uh, I ate some burgers and I had some steak. And uh, I just kind of heard someone more recently say that if you have cravings, even if your cravings are for something different, eat more of what you got, you know, eat more of like what specifically is like, really on the diet, you know, and, and lean into that. And so I kind of just forced myself to do it. So I, I ate, I ate two burgers. I had a good chunk of steak. Um, that was the only meal I had for the day, just because of timing wise and just the way the day went. Um, I just had the one meal a day. I really prefer like two or three meals in a, in a given day, just so I don't, my hunger doesn't get too crazy anyway. So I ate what I ate. And then I had like, kind of like a mini burger after that with some cheese and I ate like uh, two hard boiled eggs while, and I ate that while I was watching TV as kind of like a little extra snack, like immediately following dinner. I didn't really want to eat it. I was thinking like, cause a lot of times I mix my slingshot protein with uh, yogurt at night, kind of kills off my sweet tooth. And I was thinking about that, but I was like, no, let me try this. Let me see if I have more protein if, and, and fat, if this will just kill everything off. And, and it, sure enough, it did, you know? So it's not, it's not fun from like a psychological standpoint. You know, you're not really fooling yourself that much. But from like a physical standpoint, you're like, hey, man, if I'm being honest, like I'm, I'm very much full. And then you can maybe turn the conversation in your head of, uh, you know, flipping down the switch of like, uh, or flipping up the switch rather of being satisfied. You know, I think that's kind of the difference there is like, you want to kind of like finish off the day with like an, an exclamation point. And an exclamation point would be like a big old glass of like chocolate milk or, uh, or some or some ice cream or something like that. But you know, you, you can't do that currently, because you're, you're on a different path, you're on a different diet. And the way to do it is just to try to stuff yourself with more protein. It's called protein leveraging. The more protein that you eat, uh, it drives down your hunger tremendously. So the other thing is too, is just hydration. You know, people are just oftentimes they are the reason why we crave sweets in the summertime. A lot of times, like, I don't know about you, but sometimes it hits me. I want like juice. I want like orange juice or pineapple juice or so something like that that hits you in the summertime, mainly due to dehydration. So drink lots of water, get lots of salt in there. Carnivore diet rocks, man. It's simple. It's easy. 
I've had people lose 20 pounds from it, 50 pounds from it, 80 pounds, 100 pounds, and so on. And it just, it's very simple, easy to follow. And it's like, who doesn't like steak and who doesn't like uh, hamburger and, uh, and eggs? And then also you got the luxury of like rolling through some fast food here and there and uh, getting a cheeseburger from McDonald's, In-N-Out Burger, Wendy's, any of those places. Some people frown upon that, but I haven't found any information or evidence that uh, there's anything wrong with those meats. Uh, as far as I can see, the, the worst thing you got from those places is the processed cheese. So there you go. There's a reason to do the carnivore diet. It's going to get you jacked. It'll get you jacked. And like you said, who doesn't like steak and egg? No one that I want to hang around with. So we appreciate your time, Mark. Thank you so much. It's been a true pleasure and honor to have you on the show. And uh, we look forward to spreading the, spreading the word. Thank you so much. And uh, just one last thing is, you know, I was, as I was leaving the grocery store yesterday, uh, you know, I was buying a bunch of meat and stuff like that. And they asked me uh, like, Hey, you know, what do you think about everything that's going on? I said, oh, I think it's great. You know, like I get to spend a lot more time with my kids and they're like, you're the only person that hasn't complained about having their kids around. I was like, well, I like hanging out with my kids. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, I just think people need to stop being negative, stop being uh, very bitchy about it and, Think about some of the good that can come out of it. Yeah, like morning sex. So, exactly. And I'm going to go try to get that myself right now. So, I hope you have a good rest of your day. Spend time with the kids. Enjoy your two to three meals. And, again, it's been a true honor to have you on. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thanks again for listening to Best Hour of Their Day. And thanks again to our special guest. We appreciate all you guys do for us with Best Hour of Their Day when it comes to sharing our posts on Instagram, when it comes to subscribing to us on YouTube, when it comes to the constant feedback. We are grateful and we appreciate it. We are trying to build a community based on coaching development and becoming the best version of yourself. And it goes without saying that we couldn't do without all of you. So if you haven't already, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Season one of Dropping In is out. We are getting tremendous feedback and we'd love for you to check it out. Leave us a comment on there. Head over to our Instagram. Give us a follow. Like our pictures. Feel free to share anything that resonates with you. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or feedback for us, Please don't hesitate. Email us, besthouroftheirday at gmail.com. Thanks again. Until the next episode, we hope you've had the best hour of your day.